Welcome to episode two of Augmenters. We had the most wonderful interview with Julie's longest mentor, Pete Brace. And let me tell you, Pete was a treat. Pete talked about how their mentoring relationship blossomed over time. And he went through his greatest hits and phrases that he incorporates into all of his mentoring relationships. Plus, bonus, there's even an incredible story about a stolen 26-foot bowl of oatmeal. This interview is high in fiber. Trust me. Enjoy. I would only bring great people along for this kind of a journey. Pete, you know this. Um, yeah, she's put up with me for more than 25 years. Can you believe that? Wow. Wait, no, it can't be that long. Yeah. Did we meet? Yeah. Oh my God. It's like 25 years ago. <laughs> but I'm only 27. I know. <laughs> That was so funny when we were together in kindergarten. Me too. Me too. <laughs> you, you, Julie is quite precocious. <laughs> cool. Good. So, and Pete, quickly, how is, well, I want to find out how work is, but maybe that's a good segue to just giving Jimmy a little bit of your background and what, what, oh, you're, what you're up to. So what's happening? I'm in my second act, as we like to say, for those of us who are old and gray. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I work at Northwestern University. I lead marketing and development for the Work Center for Performing Arts. Um, it's a little bit of a dumpster fire and then you add a pandemic on it and it's even more of a dumpster fire, but hopefully we're you know, like a phoenix rising through the ashes and uh, all will be well. But this is more passion and profession than profession um and so we'll see how it goes but i'm in year almost two uh which is so you know freaky given that i've worked mostly remote in those two years so um but you know uh here we go so um yes so before that i uh led um marketing comms for Merrick Peck and Pet Parent Relations. I can't forget Pet Parent Relations for Merrick Pet Care. Um, we grew it, sold it. It was owned private equity. We sold it to Nestle in 2015. I stayed for money for another two years. <laughs> and then I said, see ya, bye. Um, Just like that. The pet people keep coming after me, but I've kind of done it. So I don't really want to do it again. And then um, before that, I was at PepsiCo uh, for uh, about seven years, led marketing communications for an influencer marketing and whatever else they gave me at Gatorade. And then before that, Tropicana. And then before that, I was on the agency side. We're almost we're almost through 20 years of my career. I only have 20 years. <laughs> Um, where, uh, before that I was on the agency side. So I was at Burson Marsteller led food and nutrition there. Manning Salvage and Lee led food and nutrition there. Um, launched Crest White Strips. <laughs> we did that uh, together. Joan and Melissa Rivers. You have to, uh, you know, uh, it's okay to wear white after Labor Day and do better <laughs> Joan and Melissa. To give people permission on the red carpet to wear white after Labor Day. And then worked on that before that, uh, let's see, Ogilvy, maybe, which is where <laughs> I met the lovely and talented Julie, Julie Eisenstein, which is now Meyer. <laughs> and uh, 
was smitten by their romance uh, on the bus, the 151, I think it was, wasn't it? I think I knew you before I met Jed. I think you did. Yeah, I, I definitely did. did. So, and we were doing uh, these things called uh, DJ deliveries <laughs> all over the country uh, with oatmeal, uh, you know, the hearty grain and a blank canvas, <laughs> as we like to call it back in the day. It's like Bob Ross. Oatmeal yeah. is like Bob Ross. Yes, it's like t- tiny little sponges that soak up the cholesterol from your body and remove it naturally. So <laughs> we could go on and on and on. <laughs> Before that, I was in diapers. Before that, I was in diapers. Uh, I went to Michigan <laughs> State University, got my grad degree, and um, before that, Drake University, and did a lot of government nonprofit and a little arts back in the day, uh, back then. Wow. Oh How's God. that, Julie, for the 10-minute tour? <laughs> you forgot You forgot when we trained the coffee researcher. Out of oh, yes, 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 yes. And, the lovely, talented Julie Meyer brought me to New York uh, three years ago um, when I was still figuring, well, I'm still figuring out what I'm going to do next. Um, but uh, I trained a National Coffee Association researcher. And we went to a show with the girls, which was so fun. Head over heels. Well, I'll tell you about it. It's a whole nother podcast. But don't, don't, uh, don't let Pete start texting you about it because. <laughs> She's still getting texts. About Bonnie. Who's in Head Over Heels. Oh, I, still fun show. Oh, I, I know. Still I stopped. know. You're in love with her. I'm going to find just, her for you. I got she's going to be at 54 below in August. And Okay. I'll be there. Oh, she'll be here. But okay. anyway. Wow. Well, uh, Pete, so my first question is, when you say pet parent, you mean you're talking about the parents of the pets? Or are you <laughs> talking about the people who are the parents of the pets? Uh, well, they see them as one of themselves, uh, Jimmy. So, they think they gave birth to the pets? Yes. Fur babies is what they know them to be. So, um, yeah, no, we, you know, what's interesting is it's back to language, right? Because in the marketing world, we always talk about the consumers. Well, in infant formula, which I worked on many moons ago, and um, pets, you don't actually speak to the consumer. You speak to the pet parent. So um, it was very important for people to understand that who our audience was and we reshaped. So they knew that. So pet parent relations. And, you know, we also like the alliteration. Who doesn't like a good little alliteration? <laughs> oh, no, yeah. It worked. That marketing. It worked. We could pet pop our power. So, so. Uh, was there uh, was there any uh, potential copyright infringement with Furbies compared to fur babies, <laughs> you know, with those extra letters? Uh, the copyright wars in the pet category are very rampant. Um, everyone's it's very litigious. Everyone's suing everyone. Um, you'd think that we'd all get along, that we're all God's creatures, and hello, we'd get along. <laughs> no way, no way, and. I could bore you for hours about like differences between cat pet parents and dog pet parents. And then, are you ready? Mm. They're the bipetual. Petual, <laughs> yeah. Yes, 40% of households are bipetual. I think I'm bipetual. Meaning they just coming out about that. And dogs. Is, a, is that kind of like once you go bipetual, you're perpetually <laughs> bi- perpe- bipetual? 
easy for you to say. I don't yeah, think that's, yeah. a, that's like Peter Piper pick. I mean, hello. Right, um, out the door. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> no, um, you know, it's right up there with 40% of Americans prefer some pulp in their orange juice. See, I got all the all the 40% things I can like roll off the tongue here. <laughs> Wait, Pete, Pete, what about quick oats? What are quick oats? Uh, they're cut finer to cook faster. <laughs> yes. How am I doing? You're great. Oh, these, these, you know, I'm fun for about three minutes at a cocktail. <laughs> and then you ask me, and like, he has a drink and he's on the floor. Like, oh, there's something in my eye. There's something in my eye. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I mean, three minutes is all you need to get the oatmeal finished. <laughs> so it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, it's been just like a, a really fun journey to kind of do this with Julie because I've realized that for me, you know, I talked about my, you know, three, uh, pillars of, of entrepreneurship, one of them being partnership. And like, I'm here for the people. Obviously, you don't mind people either. Uh, and uh, uh, Julie is, is like, is one of the best. So to be able to do this with her, just like you, you seem to enjoy working with her so much too, uh, has really been a treat for me because I don't like to do things alone. It's always, I think, better in groups. And that's kind of around mentoring for us and kind of one of our first principles there, uh, which then begs the question, I had two, is I have to ask Pete, what was your first impression on Julie when she walked into you know, the <laughs> office at Ogilvy? What was it? How was the handshake? You know, what went down? Tell me about what you remember. Uh, tour de force is what I recall. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think I knew from the first time I met her that she was a force. Um, she joined us from Leo Burnett PR, yep. I think. Um, and, um, you know, I think just a very, I don't remember the interview. If I interviewed you, were I you think... before I was? I don't <laughs> I just came from DC. The, the, the details are fuzzy 25 years ago, but, um. Oh, I remember it vividly. Oh, do the you? The first time I met you. Yes. Oh, well, tell me. Um. I think you didn't interview me. I think maybe like we were, cause they had just gotten the Quaker account or they gotten a big chunk of the Quaker accounts. They hired like maybe seven people at the same time. There's a bunch of us. And Pete, uh, a connection here to what you were just talking about, Jimmy. Pete was literally in a construction site. They were like building the office while he was working in it. Like he was in this little cube. <laughs> like the drilling was happening like directly in front of him. Like the ceiling's falling down. Things are like happening all around. And he's like, hi. <laughs> And you were like, uh, you had like piles of papers, and then you were like, I don't know what's going on here. Let's figure it out together. Although yeah. you were senior to me. I was I was joking that it was Bob Vila's workshop <laughs> because I was recruiting, if you recall, I was recruiting a bunch of like top-tier chefs um, to come be spokespeople, like Nancy Silverton, La Brea Bakery, Mark Peel. Uh, Joyce Goldstein, who you became fast friends with um, and probably are still in touch with. Uh, I worked with her son, Evan, on a oh, trial yeah, right. later on, years yeah. later. Um, but yeah, I was, th that I totally recall. And every day they were moving the tarps of like, you know, sand dust protectors. <laughs> and so every day I'd walk in and I'm like, oh, this is today's configuration. Oh, what's tomorrow's configuration?
going to be. But literally, much like you said, the Jack hammering outside your window, Jimmy, that would be happening when I'm talking to like Alice Waters. And, you know, <laughs> like, um, you know, it, it, it was it was never a dull moment. And I would say it wasn't a dull moment during that time. I mean, we did career defining work very early on in our careers. Um, and, um, you know, I've lived to tell the war stories as a result. It must be all that great oatmeal that we ate. Um, but um, no, we, um, we, we became a team uh, and I think somewhat drove that among each other um, because we had a lot of work to do and it was good work. So I, I'm curious when you were with, uh, you know, Julie in the beginning and, and you all were hanging out, were, were you like, why does this person keep talking to me so much? Like I'm just her manager or, you know, like how did kind of the relationship start and how did it evolve over time into, you know, while, while working together more of like a, a mentoring, not necessarily management, you know, relationship. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, one, she is a dynamic force. Um, and so I think that struck me. And I also am gravitated toward, I would say even now in the performance arena, I'm attracted to people who are talented. And I knew very early on she was talented. And she, as I like to say, you got to wanna. And Julie got a wanted. Um, she, um, yeah. she, she basically invested herself in herself and did all those things and the required work to get ahead. And it was, it's easy with those type of people, right? Like they wanna be there, they're motivated. A lot of what you do is chisel, chisel away here and there and try to steer, but for the most part, it, it's really up to them to help them see what they're capable of. Um, because I think that's really the crux of mentorship is, helping people see what you know or you see that they don't necessarily see. Um, and, and Pete, just to interrupt you, that's what I would always say about you. I think you saw a lot of things in me way, way, way before I saw them. And I think the fact that you were always in my corner cheering me on, I mean, talk about like top five cheerleaders, it's Pete Brace. Like I always, I mean, honestly, just such a phenomenon, as you can tell, I, actually, if you've seen him, I've seen him do cheers and it's really fabulous. <laughs> With Marcy. It, Marcy? Macy? Macy? And it's not just my name was Pete and it went with Jimmy's Pete. You're like, oh, I got a Pete too. Um, no, no, I always, uh, Jimmy, you would vouch that when we talk about mentors, I always talk about my Pete. You're, and you're, I, would, I would say, um, you know, the journey has been a journey. And I think that's also a good sign of mentorship, mintness, whatever that word is, um, in terms mentor. of, you know, that it's a continual process. It's not a once and done usually to really get to meaningful. Um, you get to know them, they trust you, you trust them, um, you're able to ask good questions yeah. and at times which i'm not exactly exemplifying during this talk shut up and listen right um and listen for what they say and what they don't mm -hmm. elaborate pete yeah that's well, such good advice i think a lot of times um again because they're so close to it what aren't they saying you know like one of the classic, I think, mentor-mentee conversations that I have, or there's a couple. One is, should I go back to grad school? 
<laughs> so I would say that's like one of the top 10 hits, if you will, of mentory mentory conversations. Play the hits, Pete. Um, <laughs> I would say another hit is um, should I stay or should I go? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Um, and I know at least one of those hits, maybe both of those hits we covered, Julie, but the one hit I totally remember is when you wanted to go back to school to get your registered dietitian at Tufts. Yeah. Um, you know, that was that was one juncture that I remember us discussing. And, you know, you you seen it as something I'm like, well, why do you want to do that? Um, you know, I'm like, I just want to be like Mary Donkersloat because it rhymes with oat. <laughs> this is a dietitian that we worked with. She told me I travel the country doing media tours. Um, but, you know, those are a couple of the hits, I think. Um, but I really do think it it involves asking good questions. Tell me more. Tell me more and eliciting information and then shutting up and listen for what you don't hear too. Um, you know, what are their what are their trials and tribulations with a decision that they may be contemplating, or you know, even just you know, a difficult person or a coworker they may be encountering. And I think Pete, what's kind of been cool too, is I think we kind of, uh, Jimmy and I talk a lot about evolutions in mentoring. So when I first met Jimmy, I was struggling a bit in my business from a financial standpoint. And he spent quite a lot of time sitting with me with my financials, helping me think about a lot of different things. And then as time has evolved, we went from that to then like, I was, I don't know what I was exactly mentoring you in, but mentoring you in something. And then now we're doing this. So we have had all these evolutions of our time, even just in this, you know, 18 months or so. But Pete, I know there was times when, when you were, in between trying to figure out what's next. Um, and we had the opportunity, I think for some conversations that made me feel so great that I could kind of, kind of be there for you. Absolutely. I, I mean, that's the other beauty of a mentor mentee relationship, right? It goes both ways. You know, you both get something out of it. Um, and so, but I think it all starts with kind of the, the coming together if you will, and the commitment to a continuous kind of relationship. And that may not be every day, that may not be every year, but there is a connection there and there is a trust because I think at the crux of it, there mm -hmm. is a trust that you can share, you know, what you're contemplating or what you're going through or what have you. You know, I often like to say it's basically unpaid therapy in some ways for both, <laughs> for, for both people, right? You know, um, but, but you know. It, it, isn't that also any relationship in a way is unpaid therapy, you know, in, you know, friendship, you know, you know, whatever romantic, you know, it's all kind of the same. No, no, I, I, I think you could make that argument that it is all unpaid therapy, but, but I think it's built on trust, right? Because I think without the trust kind of shield, um, and it doesn't need to be a transactional payment, but that the trust is kind of the, the glue that allows for the conversation or eliciting information, which I kind of think is one of the main roles of the mentor is like elicit information. Well, why, why are you considering that? Why do you want to do that? You know, what else is going on? Like, you know, how does that make you feel? Like, you know, tell me more. Um, all those kind of questions that you ask and then shut up and listen. 
And then, as I say, listen for those things you do hear, but also those things that aren't said. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, sometimes you can poke and figure out what those things are and get them to articulate them. Um, you know, I've had a few lucky strike detectors with that. Um, and they're like, oh, like you helped me see it. Well, no, you saw it. You just didn't want to acknowledge it or you didn't want to, you know, own it or whatever. Um, and it's not always bad. It's just some sometimes the obvious. So Pete, in my head, I'm, I'm continuing to think of how we can create, you know, the Pete Greatest Hits playlist. Because <laughs> I, I, I feel like, I, well, I, I feel Wait, like- he's, he's got it, it. he's no, got no, it. This isn't, a, this isn't a conversation example, but I think in order to be a good mentor, I think it's helped me to have great mentors. So I think I hit, the jackpot with some of the mentors that I had that helped me kind of pass it on, if you will. Um, Pete, you're, you're, you're stealing my joke. I was going to use perpetual again. And yeah. you're already getting <laughs> there you mentor. Perpetual so, like, Pete, there's a scary <laughs> proposition. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's, it's, it's awesome. I, I'm, I can tell how close you and Julie are because you are saying so many of the same things like relationships are built on trust, how important it is to shut up and listen, that you know we're both kind of cornerstones for Julie's and I's relationship initially, uh, how we wanted to come together to start this venture and how we believe that this is like the key to, to creating strong mentoring relationships. So, you know, drum roll please. Before you became a perpetual fantastic marketer, <laughs> who were some of the mentors along the way? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, Tell us more. I mean, so thank you. So, I mean, I, I have, sorry, like, Pete, I, 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 couldn't I have another that. hit list. I have another <laughs> hit list. Karen Van Camp, she was my high school English teacher. She's a professor at Northwestern. We still have quarterly breakfast. Um, Ann Zimmerman, you know, she said, I'll make you a deal. Yeah, you've got to copy some things, but anything you copy, you can have a copy of if you just ask me. And I'm like, oh, well, that was a neat way to kind of like build the relationship that like, look, I know I'm asking you to do something that maybe you're more than capable of doing, but I want you to get something out of it. And so, you know, I kind of, I think that was kind of a key lesson. And she was a hoot. She was the former fashion editor of the LA Times, um, was my professor at Drake and then became the governor's communications um, director. So just kind of incredible people. I would say some of my best um, mentors have been academic in nature. They were teachers in the truest sense and then became even more teachers in terms of um, sharing with me their mentoring. Um, I had a boss early on, Jerome M. for Magnificent Greenblatt. Uh, I think his name says it all. Um, but he, um, he, uh, Pete is also secretly a member of the tribe. <laughs> he was a hoot, a hoot. So, um, he would wear his Brooks Brothers suits. He was a former senior exec at one of the bank, um, the banks in St. Louis. And I worked with him very early on and he was kind of at a stage giving back in his career. Um, and so it was just an interesting kind of dynamic. Um, you know, the, I, I mean, I still quote him, but hell of a way to run a railroad is like a famous Jerome M for Magnificent Greenblatt. Uh, Wait, say that again. You know, 
a hell of a way to run a railroad. We'd be in a meeting. <laughs> we'd be in a meeting and he'd look over at me and he'd go, hell of a way to run a railroad. Um, you know, and it was at the J, and Julie, you'll appreciate this, but um, everyone would say around the holidays, you know, I'll see you at, at services or whatever. And then he'd turn to me and he'd say, the only way they're going to see me at services is if they're sitting really close to the window. But <laughs> So he had all these one-liners, was totally comfortable in his skin, and was probably my biggest advocate and protector um he would not let others kind of pelt me with you know things if I didn't want to do them so he's like make me the bad guy you know um so there's just many I mean Greg Shearson who I worked with at Trop and at Merrick you know a great business strategist totally learned kind of more about business from Greg um you know, so the list goes on. And I'm fortunate to say that many of them continue to be mentors today. And there's that continuous thing again, right? Like, it's not a once and done. Um, and it's not a only one size fits all. Um, I think people take different things from different mentors. Um, but I also think there's that cadre that you kind of pull when you're at a crossroads or when you have like a major you know, challenge that you're confronting is you kind of pull a few to kind of see what their, their take is and all come with different experiences. They were all chiseled differently, as I like to say. And so they bring that, that different unique kind of experience to the situation. Wow. I, I keep, all right. So I love the, how to run a railroad. I got to ask, did he like trains? You know, was uh, no, I, I don't know if he liked trains. He's a for, he was a former Marine. So one of my favorite stories is um, he wore Brooks Brothers suits uh, every day, and he was the only one that was wearing Brooks Brothers shirt <laughs> with with the monogrammed, you know, like cuffs and the whole nine yards. And one day, this this is really going to date me, and uh, hopefully, your listeners will know what whiteout is. They can Google it right now. <laughs> But I was um, looking for some yesterday. I kid you not. <laughs> Anyways, he spilled white out on himself uh, in his Brooks Brothers suit. And I just like thought that was like the classic moment. I just like if I had had an iPhone back in the day, I would have totally snapped that picture um, <laughs> because it just was like, oh, he was so uncomfortable by that. But uh, it was funny to me. So uh, he could be human and he was always human to me. Um, but others, he kind of gave off this armor. Um, and I think that's the other thing, right? You got to be observant. Like, you know, you got to take all the environment in and kind of process it and filter out what you want to keep and what you want to throw um, in terms of what you take forward. My God, and my head is so full, Pete, of now all these memories are like flooding back to me. And because, you know, you were like kind of my only boss, maybe I had two bosses. <laughs> how much of my leadership style is from you? Like when people, like we're in the middle of something and somebody, you know, I pick up the phone or I get on the Zoom, nobody calls, just go on the Zoom. I go, are we having fun yet? <laughs> so we'd always be like a middle of a crisis and people would call me and go, are we having fun yet? And it was great. You always like, we were always in the middle of like some hilarious drama and like you always just made it fine. Like we're all gonna figure it out. It is just like, it's all gonna be fine. And so I think I, you know, again, 
like think of you as my mentor and especially as a leader myself I have to you know I, I channel you all the time I really well, do I mean that's interesting to hear because to me I don't think anything of what I've done in my career has been rocket science um and I have always said if it's no fun run right like if you're not having fun run like life's too damn short um so I do think that there is something to that. Um, I would say I was maybe not as calm and cool as, and collected as I may have appeared back then. I think I got to a later stage of maturity where I got to a point where nothing really freaked me out. Yeah, because um, you'd seen it all. That's well, a good thing about I, being in I crisis. Mean, yeah, like I was just going to say some of that stuff. And the other thing is you got to depersonalize it, right? Like, you know, you didn't create these problems. You're just usually the one to help <laughs> solve it. Um, so, um, so can we, can we tell hopefully Jimmy quickly, problems. can we tell him the stolen bowl of oatmeal story? I was just going to I'd say, love to hear your version one, of it because that's the one that comes to mind. Well, I'm on paternity leave, if you recall, um, during this whole incident, but we were doing a smart heart challenge, uh, eat a bowl of oatmeal every day for 30 days with the hope of lowering your cholesterol. And we were in Middletown, Connecticut and we had, because that's what you have to have a, a smart heart challenge, a 26 foot inflatable bowl of the hearty grain oatmeal and Mr. Quaker Oats himself on the side. So um, the bowl is on top of a tall building in downtown Middle, Middletown, Connecticut, and it is stolen in the wee hours of the night. A 26-foot bowl? Stolen? 26-foot bowl, inflatable bowl of oatmeal is stolen. Middletown, Connecticut doesn't seem to be like the roughest part of Connecticut. Uh, nope. But they had college students <laughs> at Wesleyan at University. Wesleyan. Yes. So those folks thought it would be fun to play a little prank and take the bowl. So I get a call, meanwhile, on paternity leave. Uh, from Jody Coada, uh, one of our colleagues, whose first question out of her mouth was, Pete, are you sitting down? I'm like, uh, sure, Jody, what's going on? Uh, do we have insurance on the bowl? I'm like, insurance on the bowl? So keep in mind, I don't know what's happened yet. All I know are her <laughs> And so I'm like, I don't know. We may have insurance on the bowl. She goes, well, the bowl was stolen. I'm like, <laughs> stolen? And of course, I start laughing because I think it's hysterical. <laughs> and, um, and then like two days later, I get a call. Pete, the police want to know if we're going to press charges. I'm like, we're not going to press charges. It's a 26-foot inflatable bowl of oatmeal. All we want is the the bowl back. It cost a fortune, and it was very like there's a lot of logistics to get that made. I think I was yeah. on the team that did that. So anyway, so the TV crews locally did this wonderful story about the bowl being stolen, and that all we, we wanted PR. was the bowl to be returned. And um, the students left the bowl in a field near Wesleyan, I believe, with a ode to an oat, a poem that they cleverly wrote that basically said we mean no we meant no harm you know we just were having a little fun with the hearty rain blah 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 and all ended well including the challenge 
where the people who ate the bowl of oatmeal every day for 30 days saw twice, <laughs> twice, not once, but twice what the science would have projected them to lower their cholesterol. Oh my All, God. All's well that ends well. I, I'm just picturing this poem now of like, we meant no harm, we meant no foul, like eat a bowl of oatmeal, it'll help your bowel. You know, like, it's like, these, these college students had the best time, like the best time. And you say you don't have the marketing lingo. I think you're doing fine. Sign him up. Uh, I have. Oh my God. That no, is so... I don't know if any of this is mentoring related. <laughs> Um, but I'm having a well, ball. but I, I did, I did learn, I did learn going back to mentoring, how to handle a crisis. Like that is still one of the funniest stories ever. I don't know if, I can't remember if I thought it was funny at the moment. I probably didn't. Cause I was definitely in Middletown, Connecticut, staying in the bachelor pad at the hotel. You never saw my bachelor pad. Julian and I would stay up playing poker and pool. Cause I had like this huge giant bachelor pad. I think I was there for like a month or something. I don't know. I was there for a very long time. Anyways, I don't think I thought it was as funny as you did. Cause I was there, but, but you deal with the crisis and you're just like, you know, you get through it. It's not fun. Well, and, I mean, I what are you going to do? It's a 26 bowl, foot bowl of oatmeal. Like, Couldn't make another one fast. Like we can't make up this stuff. No, that, that yeah, that's, that's not a story for fiction. No. <laughs> uh, so, so Pete, I'm kind of curious, you know, you've talked a lot about the relationships you've made, like specifically because, oh, I got this job and this person was already there, you know, or like, was there ever a time when you thought I could really use something uh, new or talk to someone that wasn't like in your network or wasn't somebody that you were already introduced to? Like, was there something that you might've like kind of reached out to and, and, and said, Hey, how, how could I go about, you know, finding this relationship, finding this feedback? Well, I, I mean, I think I understand. I think there's two, I think one, um, when I was trying to figure out what my next act was, I, I would say, and Julie talked about that a little bit and she was helpful too, but I reached out to people that I didn't know. And purposely I reached out to people I didn't know um, because I thought they would have a different objective lens on things I should consider, et cetera. That's not to say that I ignored my network and my close in mentors, but I did purposely try to reach beyond that. And I would say that's true of people that I have not had a formal working relationship with that have reached out to me for advice. I mean, I, like you, have spent a little time in the classroom. And so often I go back to my alma mater and I, you know, teach classes. And um, I would say those students are a whole new following. They hear something that I share in the lecture and they follow up on it or, you know, they get to a career. There's a woman that I've got this relationship with and it's probably going on five, six years. I only met her through that class. We've never worked together. And I would say she's called me, you know, several times. In fact, including the um, hit list item of should I go back to grad school or not? Um, <laughs> the number one, you know? top of the charts. You know, we had that discussion, you know, and my first and foremost advice is figure out why you want to and what you hope to get out of it. Like, hello, um, you know, like that's the first question. Know why you're doing it. And that reason can be anything you want it to be as long as you know why you're doing it. Yeah. Like there's no wrong answer to that question. But what I find sometimes is people don't answer the question. 
you know, yeah, they know. Kind of amorphously are like bobbing along and thinking, oh, I'm looking for this. Oh, I'm looking for that. And they don't really concretely answer the question of why are they doing what they're doing? Um, you know, it's kind of like communications, like who is my audience? What is my purpose? Like, I can't tell you how many meetings, like even senior level people that I'm in that I'm like, uh, who is our audience? Like, uh, what are we trying to do here? Um, Anybody who eats. You're like, right. no, that's not I a mean, good answer. Basics, the basics <laughs> don't change. It's just a lot of times people skip them. Yeah. Um, well, but, so. but isn't, isn't that because um, sometimes, you know, people like when it's your feelings and your emotion, well, they're already inside you. So yeah. by, by definition, it's already too close. You can't see it. Well, and it goes back to the what they say and what they don't say, right? Like a lot of times, you know, what they say can tell you really what they're not saying. Um, and, you know, we talk about in media training, which we talked about is like, answer the question that you think is behind the question. Like, you know, what are they asking? Now, you know, you don't get into like, if they say, can you tell me what time it is? You don't tell them how to build the watch. <laughs> um, you know, you answer the question. Yes. I can tell you what time it is. <laughs> Most people say it's 2.30 and I'm like, no, you didn't listen to the question. See, it starts with good listening. So. Starts with good listening. Okay, Pete, oh my God, there's so much. We could go on forever. Yeah. I feel like good. you have a Tropicana background though. I'm feeling, okay, yeah. I'm feeling like I'd like a pulp, yeah. pulp I'm one of the 40% pulpers, non-pulpers. Actually, yes. I like orange juice. 40% prefer some pulp in their orange juice, Julie. Okay. And you know it's added back in. That's the really, that's the really kind of thing that people don't know. That's like the ooh ah, like they take the pulp out and then they put it back in. Mm -hmm. That's the people that people are not concentrating on. They miss it. <laughs> I think you sold yourself short at the beginning, Jimmy. <laughs> You're very witty and very good at coming up with these. Uh, you, you didn't ask me if I was witty. <laughs> I answered the question. You can Wait, mentor you. each other. You can mentor each other. Be Here great. You. Um, so what else do you want to know, Julie? So I don't know if there's anything else. <laughs> Get to the point. Pete, do you no, know how much- I'm just, Pete, I'm like, I'll shut up. I'm like droning on here. Do you know how much, the other thing, Jimmy, do you know who taught me about three message points and message houses? Pete. Non-stop. I'm always, always at threes, no matter how what. About, how about the three Bs? I actually quoted Pete in my wedding toast. To who? Which Did was... you know the three Bs? <laughs> who was your wedding toast to? <laughs> <laughs> well, just, I guess it was my toast. Maybe it was my speech. I wasn't really making yeah. it. Who, who was the audience and what was the purpose? Was that to Jed or to the whole group? <laughs> no, it was to the whole it group. It was to the whole group. I remember I was there. But what are the three Bs? Jimmy, no? No. You, you school him, Pete. Go for it. Be brief. Be bright. Be gone. brief be bright be gone well there you have it and with that we are gone we hope this episode was brief yet bright and we'll be back with our next episode which will be the theme of vision the first principle in our mentoring series we will look to the painting visionary with the amazing hair bob ross as our vision setting guide because come on what better way to look forward than towards cowboy sunsets or fluffy little clouds? And if you want to help Julie and Jimmy find new mentors, then subscribe because we all could ask for a little help. See you soon.